You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Hello and welcome to this episode of Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. I am your host, Richard Franzi, and this is podcast episode number 1063. Managing a business and keeping a family together can often be a difficult thing to do, especially when your business is growing. However, according to author Kip Colson, family is your most valuable asset, and it is indeed possible to keep your wealth from devastating your family's relationships. I've asked Kip to join us today to discuss how you can build upon family legacies while maintaining purpose, as he discusses in his latest book, you can have it all. Kip, welcome to Critical Mass Radio Show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. It's good to have you. Let, let's start out simply. Maybe you can, before we talk about the book, let's sure. talk about your business for a minute. Sure. And, and maybe you can help us to understand you've built a business that is living your purpose, and you've been able to bring in your son into the firm. Correct. Uh, give us a little background on that. Yeah. Well, the quick background for me is I was a banker for about 11 years uh, with a break for uh, the Army in three years. And then um, I went, one of my clients invited me to join him in his real estate development business. So I did that for about 15 years up until the uh, 93 when the real estate market was bad. And because of my financial background, I looked at the financial planning investment uh, world. So I got started in this business in 93, 94. Uh, Over time, I saw unfortunately, what wealth was doing to families. So we could do them with the financial planning. We could manage their investments. And then at the end of the day, the more and more we talked to other people also in this business, we realized that the wealth was not doing kind things. Hmm. And I have a passion for families. I kind of believe that as our society or as family goes, our society goes. Okay. And while I can't help a lot of things as far as other relationships, uh, from the financial perspective, uh, we can deal with families and start teaching them how to use their assets and their wealth to make the world a better place, and in doing so, hopefully then also making their family a better family. Mm. And you, you're practicing what you're preaching because, as I said in the open, your son is a part of your firm? He is. So, he, he, he was. Uh, the quick story is he worked for me part-time when I was first starting in the business. He, went, he graduated from Fullerton. Uh-huh. And one night when he was close to graduation, I sat him down and told him he didn't have a job here, which kind of surprised him because that was his goal. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, but I didn't want him to have that experience of just making it too easy. I could just He could just roll into the business and have a job. I said, no, you got to go figure out if you can get employed and what it's like to work for somebody else because you don't really even know if this is what you want to do all mm. your life. And he did. He went and got a job with a, a, a business valuation company. Okay. Did that for six years. Did it very well. But every time we got together, it was like, well, when are we going to make the change? So we made that change in December of 2004. So you pushed him out of the nest then a little bit. Yeah, I didn't want him to, uh, again, have not have the experience of uh, having to do it on his own. Is that because of what you saw working with other family businesses, or is that a practice just of what you believed in your own DNA? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's both. It's it's kind of the way I was raised, number one. Um, Number two, as you just said, when you see families and they just take their kids in and give them everything, give them a job, they don't have to work that hard, there's a BMW on the driveway when they turn 16, the kids have no reality of what life is like 
they also don't have a lot of self-respect and image mm. because you take all of that away from them, and wealth is easy to do that because you just keep throwing it at them. Right. They don't have to earn it. They just get it, and then they become to come to a point of demanding it. Uh-oh. And now you've got problems. So is it your experience, having spent all this time working with family businesses and helping them based on what I said in the open, that that idea of the hard work that the entrepreneur and the sweat equity that they put into the business does that like dissipate within one generation? Is 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 that the risk then? Exactly, exactly. Because mom and dad, you know, there's the proverb it's called "shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves in three generations." Okay. And it comes from the uh, the statistic that seventy percent of wealth will be lost every time it moves from one generation to the next. So by the end of that third generation, everything mom and dad built and worked right. so hard to build because they built it out of sweat equity sacrifice, all the stuff we know about. Right. But then the kids, they grow up and they have, they, they kind of have a work ethic, but they don't have to work quite so hard. Well, okay. then you get to the grandkids, and now they're really spoiled because not only are mom and dad throwing money at them, so are grandma and grandpa. Right, because maybe some of your kids saw the hard life because maybe you hadn't made it yet when they were growing up, but the grandkids never see that they never because see it's it. always been It's maybe always easy there. Street. They just expect it. Wow. And they don't have any training. They don't have any experience. Uh-huh. They don't, again, they don't really have to go out and go to work at McDonald's. Right. Because mom and dad don't want them to work at McDonald's. Right. Well, no, we'd like them to work at McDonald's or Taco Bell or wherever. So one of the teachable moments here on Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast with Kip Colson, author of You Can Have It All, is this idea of pushing the kids out of the nest before you let them into the business. Very okay. good. I think that's a best I might, practice. I might take that quote. That was pretty good. Well, that's what I heard you say. <laughs> okay. Uh, before we take our first break, I wonder if you could, before we talk about the book, what was the inspiration for you to write this book? Uh, again, the first one was, as I mentioned earlier, is this passion I have for families. Okay. Uh, the second one just works out of uh, what I see day in and day out, and we just it wasn't acceptable to us. And and going back to when my son came in the business, and now it was just the two of us. I used to have partners, and well, I won't go into all of that, but I yeah, we don't a, have that's them. a different yeah, show. That's a yeah. different story. Yeah, we'll talk about partner yeah. relationships another time. So when we took a step back and said, how are we going to differentiate from the other ten thousand financial planners, investment advisors out there? And we just looked at it and said, you know, we've got to help these families because nobody else is doing this. Hmm. And so that's really where it, it all evolved from. And, and so the book is really ultimately nothing more than a journal, if you will, of what we do. Okay. And how long did it take you to, to write? write the book? Well, again, interestingly enough, I was able to, for the most part, write it on my cell phone. Yeah, you said that yeah. before we went on the <laughs> sure. air. That is unbelievable to me. Just because you always got a cell phone with you, so I always had time to write. Right. So it took a little over a year okay. actually to write it. It's about 300 pages, so it was it was a it's quite, work of love. It's and, quite an impressive work for your first book. Yeah, thank right? you. Thank 300 you. pages is yeah. a commitment. Yeah. That takes focus, discipline, a desire, inspiration. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we have like two minutes left before we take a break. Sure. But, so let's talk about a little bit of the content of the book. You use a train metaphor in the book, and could you kind of explain, explain that? why that's appropriate? Yeah, and again, the purpose of the train metaphor is to differentiate what happens in families and how the financial world deals with it versus the relational world. Okay. So if you think about a family, they have to, they're, they're like a train steaming out into the future. Trains need tracks to run on. Yes. Okay. In our industry, my industry, the financial industry, we have a whole bunch of a crew, if you will, that is made up of financial planners, CPAs, um, the attorneys, 
everybody that handles financial stuff, and they're laying track for this family. Uh huh. But a, fam- a train doesn't go very far on one track. Okay. Then you have this other fam or other crew called therapists and psychologists, and they're dealing with all the problems in the family, the relational issues, and they're laying track, but nobody's talking to the other one. So you have you've got to be a train has to have tracks that are running in exactly the same direction, exactly the right width apart. Otherwise, the train is going to come off the track, and you can't lay five feet of track over here and fifty feet on the other side. Right. So what we found is, and that's where we insert ourselves, we're what we call the railroad ties. Mm. We try to keep those two tracks at the same distance, same uh, in going in the same direction. And so we have the opportunity, and when we work very intimately, if you will, with a family, we now know the issues and the problems. Because what we know is you can't separate money and people in families. No. A lot of times the money's creating people problems, exactly. and a lot of times the people are creating money problems. Right. They're in, intertwined, aren't they? But unfortunately, again, you've got the therapist world over here trying to deal with the people, not realizing it's the money that's causing the problems. And then you've got the money side working on the money, mm-hmm. not realizing it's the relational issues causing the money problem. Interesting. So we insert ourselves into that. Okay, so we're going to take, thank you for that. That, sure. was a, that was a good first block. Yes, thank you. All right, you. so we're going to take a short, as the loyal listeners know, to Critical Mass Radio Show and podcast. We take a very quick time out here on the program, 30 seconds. It's just to talk about one of the things that we do for Critical Mass for Business. And when we come back, we're going to continue to talk with author Kip Colson about his book, After This Word From Me. Richard Franzi is the author of two popular business books for CEOs. His first book, Critical Mass, The Ten Explosive Powers of CEO Peer Groups, was the first book ever written on the secret value of CEO peer groups. His second book, now with newly updated information, is Critical Mass, The Power of CEO Guiding Principles. Richard's books contain powerful information to help CEOs running middle market companies gain valuable insight to improve their decision-making skills. Richard's books are available as paperbacks or Kindle versions from Amazon.com. To find them, type Richard Franzi in the search box. Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. I am your host, Richard Franzi. A great way to stay informed about our guest is to sign up for our weekly newsletter. Go to criticalmass4forbusiness.com. At the bottom of any of our pages is a Join Our Mailing List box. All you have to do is simply type in your email address, hit subscribe. Like magic, you will start receiving our weekly newsletter with information about our guests like Kip. And also, we do nothing else with that email other than enroll you in the newsletter. So don't worry that something else is going to happen. You'll only get a weekly newsletter from Critical Mass Radio Show. You know, Kip, in the book and in your business practice, I know you and your proponent, of philanthropy for family businesses. Right. Why? Yeah, again, our way of doing estate planning is not what I would call divide and dump, which is the traditional draft up the wills and trust, the kids get an equal share, and goes back to that 70% statistic because okay. that's almost a guarantee that the kids will lose it. Okay. Uh, we like to retain it in two entities. One of them we call a family holding company. The other we call them the, the family foundation. Now, the reason for the foundation and the philanthropy is, number one, if we put money into the foundation, 
the kids can't fight over it because they don't get it. Okay. It's going to go out to causes okay. that the family cares about. And those causes can be causes that the kids care about as well as mom and dad. Hmm. We also understand that philanthropy is caught, not taught. Hmm. So we want to involve the kids in that philanthropy, and that's the purpose of the foundation. It's a tremendous educational tool, and it's just like running a business. So, again, if we're trying to teach and prepare kids to be good stewards and be financially responsible, if they're operating a foundation, a foundation has to file tax returns, it's got to have financial reports, it's got to have management, it's got to have teamwork. And most of all, we like to encourage what we call boots-on-the-ground philanthropy, where it's not just writing a check. The kids go off, hopefully as a family with mom and dad, uh-huh. off in to do a mission trip in Africa, or maybe it's a drill, drill water wells or build a hospital. What, we'll why is to, that valuable? It's valuable for two reasons. Number one, to see what the rest of the world is really like. Okay, level set. Yeah. yeah. I mean, to make these kids understand that this is fantasy land. This is not what the real world is. Okay. And so hopefully they come back from these trips and, number one, hopefully they, their hearts have been moved to be passionate and compassionate okay. about something. And number two, to understand how well off they have it and mm. to appreciate it. Gratitude. Not just take it for granted. Wow. Exactly. Okay. We're big. Gratitude is a big issue for us. Okay. That's great. Uh, we're talking with Kip Colson. We're talking about both his 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 advisory business and also the book that he, his first book, right? Yes, it is. uh, You Can Have It All, which is a very aspirational title. What advice would you give to our audience who might be listening either now or in the future on a podcast that says, I want to write a book. Uh, What would you, what was, (laughs) what lessons learned would you pass on to them? Well, first of all, think about it really hard. Okay. (laughs) Because it is an undertaking and a commitment. And I think, again, for me, it depends I'm not a fiction writer, obviously. Yeah, so this I'm, isn't I'll, a I'll, novel. Yeah, right? I'll, I'll, I'll not go that track. The the thing that has to it has to be your passion. I think you have to write a book if you're going to write a book about what you're really passionate about. Because if you're not, yeah, why you're going to well, you're, gonna, you're just going to fade away. It's you're not going to stick to it. And I think again, for me, as you can tell, the book comes out of what I do. And I think for most people that write books like this, that uh-huh. are self-help books, if you will, that's usually what happens. It's just part of what they do. It's just, it's just a way to, to get the message out. Have you found anything different since you published, since you're now a published author, than when, <laughs> when you were just talking about being a published author? Uh, yeah, I think it gives me a, a, something else to talk about, and it gives me, a, I'd like to think it gives me a little bit more credibility. Okay. And we give it to clients or prospects when they come in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, it, take this home and read it. Now, it's a big read because it's 300 pages, and right. not, not all of them will do that. Right. But I think it just gives them this feeling that uh, we really do understand what goes on in families. Hmm. So uh, we have a few more minutes left here in this block. So what strategy or advice, what strategy do you use that can help avoid having wealth do irreparable damage to the family? You know, we started out by talking about, you know, and people forget how hard it was before they had the money. Yeah. So it's unfortunate to hear that money can be doing irreparable damage. Right. what What do you counsel your clients about? Yeah, we, we, we come from the point of view that, first of all, we believe everybody wants to feel significant and be significant. Now, obviously, that is defined by the person. But to get the significance, we determined that you have to go through what I call these two boxes. The first box is service, 
service to other people. Because if you can't service other people or provide service, you have no value in the world. And we broke that down into an acronym, G-O-A-L-S. The G stands for giving, which that's the philanthropy. The O stands for your own family. The A stands for what I call affinity groups. That would be your friends, your neighbors, the people you work with. Uh, the L stands for legal agencies. That would be your civic responsibilities. And then the S stands for spiritual, depending on what that means for each person. Got it. So our job is we have to help them define and go through all five of those because they all have service to all of those. It's not that one or the other. There's yeah. all. And we just got to figure out what they really want to serve or how they really want to serve the world. Okay. The stewardship part of it then is now we move over to what we call their four T's of true wealth. You've heard at least three of them. Time, talent, training, treasures. We added the training because we believe talent is, what, as I put it, God-given training you can acquire. But those are your real assets. That's your real net worth. Is this the other box? This is the other box. Okay, the four T's are the other yeah, box. Yeah, okay. so now what we have to do, and that's what we do, is we help them define what their service and purpose in life is, and then how do we match up those four T's of true wealth for them to accomplish that service. When they do that, now they have the chance to become significant. And is this sounds like something that, you know, I think of uh, the physical coat of arms that a, that a family may have. This sort of feels like a way that you could institutionalize certain behaviors, norms, values that might last generations. That's be the generational. goal. Oh, yeah, that's the goal. I mean, we look at estate planning, if you will, uh, and financial planning as how do we help this family hang in there for at least 100 years? Now, will they do that? That depends on them. But that's the goal, is to set up the right, that's why we go with the holding company and mm -hmm. the, uh, the the foundation, is if we keep the money under control, right? where they can make decisions, because we don't know what's going to happen in the future. And typical estate planning with wills and trusts is drafting documents to try to anticipate what's going to happen 30 years from now. That's impossible. Mm -hmm. If we keep cool heads around the table, just like in a board of directors in a business, as there's changes in the family, now the, the board of directors can make decisions as, yes, we think we'll fund that. No, mm -hmm. we won't fund that. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, we want to help this person be a teacher or that person be a missionary. Or we want to help them start a business. By retaining that money in the family and the, this holding company, we can help the kids be successful. Your book and your approach really feels like to me, Kip, that you're forcing the can the com the family and the company to look outside of itself mm -hmm, very much so and, and to be sensitive to the world around them right and to realize there's something more important than their own little i want a new bmw i don't mean to demean no you no know, but i'm just saying no, you right? know you're absolutely right because again as we put it significance you can't buy it you can't sell it you can't uh, make it mm -hmm. it's bestowed mm -hmm. well it's if you want to be significant in life that means somebody else has to tell you you're significant. Right. I mean, you can think you're significant, but until you're providing value to the world, you're not. And I can see how that ties into your boots on the ground. Exactly. Because it's hard to feel that significance when you write the check. It's sometimes you feel like all you're doing is being asked for money, whether if you go out and actually build a building yep. or plant some trees. Oh, yeah. Every time you drive by, you already go, oh, look at how, they, how are my trees doing. Exactly. Right? 
Exactly. So it well, and it's a legacy, again, as right. you just said. You know, if you built a hospital or a school or whatever, and you were part of that, right. when your grandkids and great-grandkids come around and they say, yeah, hey, you were part of that. Right. So clearly, we're wrapping up now, but sure. clearly, Clip, Kip, sorry, you have, a, you, have a, you have a keen knowledge in this area. But I'm wondering, as you went through the process of writing your book, did you learn anything about maintaining significance and family the family and the company that you didn't, you know, through the act of writing the book, did you have an aha moment? You go, wow, I didn't, that, that's really important. Yeah. I need to make sure that's in my, one of my 300 pages. Yeah. Well, I think it's two things. Number one, um, when you write a book, uh, one of the things you want to do is provide stories and examples. That in itself is a value because it kind of takes you back. You know, we were talking a little before we started about right. the Lawrence Well family, right? Right. I would love to get that story because that's a wonderful story. So that's part of it. And it forces you to go out and interview other people, talk to other people, try to get examples, if you will. And number two, I think it's just a great way to organize what you do and start, or at least for me, to start to realize uh, that some of the things that I put down in the book, I wasn't really doing in the business. Oh, my God. <laughs> and Thank so, you for being honest. Yeah, no, I mean, again, because it's forcing you to think about these right. things. Wow. And so then we were able to go back and sure. say, yeah, okay, we have to implement that in the business. That's awesome. Yeah. So if someone wants to buy the book? Uh, again, it's not out yet because we're, okay. we're, we're, we're going through a re-edit. We changed the name, the cover. We're doing a little bit of reordering. Probably the best thing to do is just get a hold of me at K-K-O-L-S-O-N at familywealthleadership.com and we'll arrange as soon as the book is out to get copies. And the website for your uh, practice? Yeah, the website is www.familywealthleadership.com Say that again, please. Yeah, it's all one word. Right. Uh, com. I can't wait for your book to drop. Do you have a date when you think it'll be out? Uh, we're the, my editor is going through the final edit right now. <laughs> yeah, so. I know, isn't it the frustrating oh, part? Uh, yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. You just want to be able to hey, exactly get it out. You've been there. Yeah, I've been there. Yeah. Well, this has been really fun. <laughs> thank you, thank and you. I appreciate you I giving your too. time and a bit of your perspective. And thank you for the work that you're doing to help families thank and you. businesses here in Southern California. And I'm going to thank Paul Roberts, who's the engineer for today's show. Our fantastic uh, producers are Joan Park, Crystal Nunley, and Haley Stern. If you'd like to connect with me on Twitter, my handle is CEO Peer Groups because I lead CEO Peer Groups. On LinkedIn, I'm Richard Franzi, F-R-A-N-Z-I. I just got over the 4,000 direct connections on LinkedIn. Now we're looking at the next horizon, mm -hmm. which I think is maybe going for 10. How's that? <laughs> uh, I'd love to be connected with people on LinkedIn and have conversations. My website, Critical Mass 4, F orbusiness.com. And until the next show, I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show, focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi.